Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, it is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bull Hagen. And I'm Burick. And I'm Vicker. We got the whole gang today. Indeed. You excited, Berg? Yep. <laughs> we even have you, Pete. Say hi, Pete. Hi, Pete. We've uh, got a few things for us today. So we don't have a beverage. Vicker's got something. What are you drinking? Uh, French roast from Starbucks. Huh? Nice. Do you got anything with you today, Berg? Nope, nothing at all. <laughs> it's a morning episode, so we are less apt to, to do tastings in the morning. Yep. Um, Peter's probably more apt because of his schedule. <laughs> Just on Wednesdays. Uh, I don't want to drink right before bed. <laughs> um, so... Uh, um so uh yeah we're continuing to to work on the show and uh vicar if you want to get our text up soon here so we can talk about the text <laughs> so how have you been berg you been good oh yeah yep pretty good so you handling this quarantine okay oh yeah it's awesome <laughs> good you uh you doing youtube videos still oh yeah yep yep like we've always like we did since I first got there, so. Right. And we're doing the radio just like we've mm-hmm. done. So Vicar has been really good at doing Bible studies. He's our high-tech Vicar. That's right. He's yeah. been using both Google uh, to do call-in devotions, and uh, and he's also been doing uh, Bible studies on, is it Noom? Loom. Loom. I guess Noom is the for overweight, to lose weight, I think. I, I Loom. I get my loom zoom noom confused. Huh. Yeah, it's worked out all right. Uh, the uh, the internet speeds out here in rural Iowa. I think I maybe had higher expectations, but uh, so I have to put the caveat in the bulletin and say internet speeds may affect the ability to watch these videos. Mm-hmm. But uh, sounds like uh, internet speeds in rural America is going to be a talking point for. Uh, this election cycle. So mm-hmm. I think everyone wants to get it done. Maybe they want to do it in different ways. All right. So, uh, Berg, do you have your sermon written for Sunday already? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is the text here? Uh, we got to see what we're preaching on. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's John 10, um, and I want to get the verses right here. I think I, think I had them... I'm I'm new to the the one year lectionary, so this is really interesting that the season of Easter is really spent in in John, the Gospel of John. So John ten twenty two to thirty, and uh, this is where Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father and his unity with the Father, um, and it, it's happening at the time of the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. And Jesus is walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. And the Jews are gathering around him, you know, and they're asking him, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus says, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
and that's the text. So yeah, this is a, I think different, a little different than what people might be used to hearing about Good Shepherd, right? You know, I'm the Good Shepherd, and I, I lay down my life. This is more said in a more of a confrontational. I get something wrong. No. Yeah. That he, he's uh, in a sense uh, talking to those who had rejected him and talking about how he is a good shepherd. So, any comments, Berg? Um, well, the Feast of Dedication we know as Hanukkah. It is a post-exilic feast, which means that it didn't exist until after, um, after the Jews returned from Babylon, from the exile in Babylon. Hmm. Uh, this is actually a feast that was created during what we call the intertestamental period, the time after the book of Malachi and before, well, really, Zechariah in, you know, Luke chapter 1. Um, and if you know a little bit about history, um, you know that Alexander the Great conquered uh, most of the Mediterranean. Um, and then after he died, and this is all talked about in the book of Daniel, after he died, his uh uh, his generals split up his empire, and the part that was the the part that the Holy Land falls in into was controlled by a group known as the Seleucids, and there was a king uh, of the Seleucids. I think his name was Epiphan uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, and he uh, um, he wanted the Jews to be more Greek, hmm. and so he would force uh, priests to eat pig flesh. Uh, he would burn. Uh, copies of the Old Testament. He even set up a um, a statue of Jupiter in the temple, hmm. and uh, this is uh, this might also be what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the abomination of desolation, hmm. both looking back and looking forward. You can read about these events in uh, Maccabees in, in First Maccabees, which is actually part of what we call the Apocrypha. So um, it's interesting that. So Judas Maccabeus uh, was one of the guys who um, forced the Seleucids out and really won Jewish independence for about 100 years before the Romans came in. Um, so that kind of sets the stage. This sets the stage also for, like, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, too. Um, but anyway, getting back to the festival, um, according to, um, as we know, this festival takes place in the wintertime, right, around Christmas. That's why... People even know about Hanukkah, right? Right, and um, it was a festival of light because um, there was a miraculous sign that the oil burned for eight days rather than for one day. So, but by the way, uh, this is perfect for our for the clerical air show. Oh, why? What's the? <laughs> because we did the wrong text. <laughs> so, I think I th I thought it was a I thought it was a little wrong, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it's all part of the context. Now, if we, if we were if we were the typical podcast, we're, we would cut all this out. <laughs> I'm just gonna... we would, but <laughs> but I mean, it all goes together. That's I mean, right, you know. So I think I think this is uh, one of the three year series. So oh, my apologies. Yeah, I was gonna say I think the text is um, John ten eleven through sixteen, right. which is. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd like gives his life for the sheep, right? uh, <laughs> which I so. said earlier. Well, that's my confusion. Well, normally we hear about uh, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. <laughs> oh, yep, I'm not preaching this week. <laughs> Vicar, I'm, supposed, Vicar, to my, I'm supposed to have my sermon ready tomorrow. <laughs> Vicar's letting us down here. Well, <laughs> hey, Vicar, don't worry. 
uh, we won't take that out. <laughs> Great. But anyway, I mean, all this was good context for uh, for this text, right? Yeah. Like Jesus doesn't like just like every sermon is timely, right? Right. You preach to your people in a particular way because you know them, right? Yeah. Uh, Jesus is also preaching to his people in a particular way here, right? Right. I mean, it's not like he saw a shepherd and he's like, well, I'm going to talk about shepherds today, right? I mean, this has to do with the feast. This has to do with light. This has to do with the rededication of the temple, right? Uh, The restoration of true worship. And that's what Jesus is getting at here, right? Mm -hmm. He's teaching them what true worship is, and that is faith or trust in himself. Well, faith and trust in what? In that he is the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life or his soul for his flock. And I, and I do think this is a that I have found lately. Um, maybe you have too that the texts have always since we've started this whole coronavirus thing has been very timely. Yeah, and I think this one is too because um, we're living in a time where right now where everyone says we care for you. Yep. You see a car commercial and they say you know. <laughs> We're we're watching out for you. We're we're gonna you know uh, delay your car payments for three months if you buy a new car, right? Um, you know, um, and politicians, you know, sometimes they have good intentions, sometimes they don't, but mm-hmm. they all come with what promise? They care for you, right? Yep. Um, but Jesus is the one who who lays down his life for you, and that's that's the difference between him and the hirelings. The hirelings are always looking for something right. to get out of it. I mean, the politicians want your vote. The car people want your, you to buy a new car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they the companies want you to get back to work so that way they can make money, right? Which is not necessarily wrong in the sense of, I mean, they got families to feed too. Right. But at the same time, this isn't selfless. This isn't This isn't altruistic either. Right. I mean, it's uh, they might care for you, but at the at the bottom of it, they care for themselves, right? First, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but that's not the way Jesus is. And you can ask, well, how many of these people would die for you? And we have Jesus' answer: He has already died for you, right? Hmm. And so, and I, I think this flows then to pastors, you know. Well, and I think in the text, just naturally, it flows to the church, right? Um, I I am known by my sheep and am known by them, right? And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, right? Right. That there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's what we confess, right? That mm-hmm. I believe in the one holy Christian and apostolic church. Um, that uh, Jesus' death creates his church, and not and then the church gathers right right that there will be one flock um and that's difficult now especially since and i think we feel it all now more than ever because we can't actually physically gather right, right? but the thing is is that this is always true the church never uh has ever gathered all in one place mm-hmm. ever um well, maybe not since the time of the the apostles, right? You know, um, the church has been scattered throughout throughout the world, um, and even like even within our own uh, congregations, um, you know, 
we we confess that they are a mixed body, that there are both believers and unbelievers there. But Jesus gives us this problem, this promise that there will be one flock, just like there is one shepherd. Right. And even though we don't see it, we believe it and we confess it. Right. And and uh, and I think that should bring us then to. I want to kind of go out of order today. Because uh, I found an, something that I think would bother Berg, and I just want to get to it. Okay, go for it. So we're going to go for our first uh, segment is uh, news that bothers Berg. That's that's funny. I also have a news that bothers Berg oh. right here. Okay. Well, I, I guess. We've been waiting to bother you. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> and this quarantine was going so well. <laughs> Peter, play the intro. There's fake news, there's real news, then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do this one to start. Um, you know, Berg, uh, I don't know if you realized, but about a week ago was your favorite uh, holiday, right on the calendar. It was Earth Day, right? Oh, yeah. April April 14th. Yep. So, um, the other uh, large American church body here in in the U.S. that calls themselves Lutheran, the ELCA, uh, their top person, their their bishop, they call her, issued an Earth Day message, okay? Okay. And um, I'll just read a little bit of this. Globally, we are dealing with two interconnected crises, the COVID-19 pandemic and, fill in the blank, Berg? Uh, Overpopulation. Close. Ongoing climate change. Okay. Both demonstrate the profound consequences of our disrupted, broken relationship with the natural world. In other words, Mother Nature. (laughs) According to scientists, species disruption caused by global warming has combined with human encroachment on the natural world to drive wildlife into greater and deadlier contact with people. The COVID-19 outbreak is an urgent warning that our behavior opens the door to transmission of new diseases with devastating consequences. Our distorted relationship with the earth is borne most heavily by the most vulnerable and marginalized among us who are ill-equipped to withstand the impact of climate change or implement remedies. COVID-19 and the climate crisis heightened existing racial inequity, inequality, they've Okay. Economic disparity and social injustices. Our call to care for creation is also a call to right these wrongs. So, how did we do? Did we find something that bothered you? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 <laughs> wrong on so many levels, but, you know. Um, it's a, a, The whole understanding of sin is well, sinning against Mother Earth. Well, and I think it goes even deeper than that, because she's looking for some way... She's looking for control that and, you know, who do we put the blame on? Who do we, you know, and and of course, being the humanist that she is, she wants to uh, place all of that blame on mankind, whether it be climate change, whether it be COVID-19. You know who's missing from all that? God, that God actually does send disease, that God actually does. Um, right, you know that that God actually does punish sin, that God 
Uh, and the thing is, is it's scary because if this is our responsibility, right? If this is our fault, um, then that is a huge and crushing responsibility. A responsibility that we are not equipped to deal with. Right. That will crush us and uh, run us into the ground. That the whole idea that uh, life and death is up to us. Exactly. And, I mean, there are right things that she's saying there. That, honestly, the the uh, some of the studies that have come out, um, the uh, Hispanic population in Iowa, for example, uh, has a much, much higher uh, rate of COVID-19 than than the regular mm-hmm. white person. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with African-Americans. Well, right? in Iowa, we know that, well, one is they, they live in smaller living quarters. Right. And, I mean, a, a lot and, of this actually does have to do with yeah. economics. And and they, they're they the ones that uh, and it's who work in the, the meatpacking plants that are the hardest hit. Right. Where they're considered essential, but they work very closely together. Right. And, I mean, there so there is something, and I, I mean, I... I would hate to see what like Mexico City is going through right now. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the shanty towns or anything like that. Just pictures of them. I mean, there is no social distancing that is even possible there. Right. You know, there's no way you could even quarantine any of this. But um, but but to me, the, with what she says, one of the bigger problems is is it 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 always points the finger to systems. Yep. And it never points to the the sinner that we might that we actually deserve worse than this right right and so the you know the the greatest sin is not you know rejection of the gospel or god's word it's not taking care of the environment like you should right or or you know it's easy to blame an institution or the military uh complex or this other stuff i mean but i mean part of the thing is is that you know, we deserve this, and this is in God's hands. And he who sends this can also bring it to an end. And, and the fact that, too, is, uh, well, I think the clearest example I think that we could see in the Bible is the fall into sin in Genesis, where they sin against God, and what happened to the creation? Yeah. The I mean, creation fell, you know, they weren't destroying the environment. They sinned, and all of a sudden, it changed already. They weren't burning styrofoam, you know. Right. And all of a sudden, Adam, by the sweat of his brow, had to, to, uh, to eat. Right. You also see it in uh, Romans, where it Romans eight, I believe it is, where this the creation groans under the bonds of corruption, which we we put there. Yeah, we're not yeah. we're not saying that. Uh, obviously, the the world could be cleaner and all those things, but but uh, when you look at the solution, is also the biggest difference difference right because if this is an earthly problem then there's an earthly solution right um if it is a sin problem then we need a spiritual solution right um and that is something that is outside of our control right um and so that's the thing rather you know this eat this earth day message is very um it's very crushing it's very it's 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 very law-based it's very um it's very damning. I mean, yeah. There, there, what, what's the hope? Because honestly, there is no hope. I mean, in fact, I mean, then you might as well, you know, um, argue like Scrooge. You know that uh, be one less mouth to feed, right? 
you know, uh, take down the surplus population, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, COVID-19, you know, I'm surprised more people aren't, aren't saying that actually, you know, who are really against overpopulation and that sort of thing, right? That, yeah, you know, um, I mean, I had college professors who would argue that we should be, you know, fewer than a billion people on earth. Well, that's one in seven. Right. Hmm. Or if you, if you look who at- Who are saved. I mean, you know, that's not dead. That's, that's six out of seven people dying, you know? Right. And if you look at places where they think the biggest solution to many of their problems is population control and the fact that when people look at the healthcare system and who, who is affected by this virus more than anybody, you know, I am surprised that people haven't looked at the economics of that and saying, well, fewer people in nursing homes is going to save a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it is a real, it is a real problem, you know, and I'm surprised more people aren't actually saying it. I mean, it's, and I think, you know, this is part of God's judgment too, right? Because who is least affected by this? Children. Right. Children are the least affected by this. And yet we keep our abortion clinics going because we consider them, quote unquote, essential services. Right. Where the churches aren't necessarily. Right. So. So, Peter, you said uh, we're going to pile on now. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Uh, all right. He's ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So I brought you guys a little video. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys uh, know Kenneth Copeland, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think I watched this. <laughs> oh, boy. COVID-19! COVID-19! <laughs> I blow the wind of God, the wind of God. On, you. on you. You are destroyed forever. And you'll never be back. And you'll, and you'll never, never be back. Thank you, our God. Thank you, our God. Let it happen. Let it happen. Cause it to happen. Cause it to happen. Okay. So that was April 5th. I'm not sure that it worked. Um, <laughs> you got any comment for that? <laughs> I mean, it was it was super. Like, it would be hilarious if if he didn't actually if he was if he hadn't deluded himself. Like, I mean, that was funny, right? Right. I mean, that, I think that's the funniest one I've seen so far. Right. So, so let um, me help you out here, right? You want funny? Somebody did a remix. <laughs> then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. Under the Lord. COVID-19. 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 I'm blue. The wind of God. From the state of Washington to the state of Maine to Brownsville, Texas, and the tip of Florida. Today, we speak to this atmosphere. To today, burn this thing. This virus hates heat. You just
up there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think we better turn it back up again so oh, yeah. we can hear. Oh, there we that's go. why I couldn't hear. Yeah, because when you started playing it, it blew our ears away. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and what's so sad is, like, people, especially old people, keep buying this crap. Right. You know, first of all, he, the- he acts as if COVID-19 is uh, – He's a he's a he's a dualist, right? Anything bad has to come from the devil, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but God is Almighty. God controls everything, right? Mm-hmm. The devil is still God's devil at the end of the day, right? So there's there's that problem. And the second thing is, is you're not a prophet, dude. <laughs> um, hey, I, I, that it is a good beat though. I was dancing. I don't. Yeah, I I saw. Yeah, it. you were you were swaying in the wind. Yeah, I you too. You two were. This is hype squad. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what what stinks is that like people believe this because they're weak and they haven't been taught any better, and then when it fails, right? Because obviously this has failed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to be like, "Well, all Christianity is bunk." And and there's those who say, "Well, they, they like he's." Uh, one of the voices of Christianity in a way that we all get lumped in with that. Right. <sighs> Man. Oh, they have a, a victory campaign? A virtual victory campaign. You know, it's funny because he did this, right? But it's all still virtual. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i don't know if he can i don't know if he believes his own his own hype here so the victory campaign of a virtual event we defeated this but we're just to be safe we're gonna stay six feet apart you know and it's just sad because people are still sending him money you know people are still right. sending him money and you've got good and godly pastors on the front lines whose congregations are struggling and I mean, this is this is what Jesus was talking about when he when he talks about you know false teachers devouring widows' ho- houses. Hmm. I mean, it's that this is what this is. And here here's the thing: this is this is what I don't is in any of these. One thing you don't hear is this: is well, you're going to blame the earth. We're going to blame environment. You never hear someone call the individual to repent, <laughs> right? And I think that is something that maybe should be mindful of, of how we need to repent, how weak we are, how powerless we are, and uh, and to live a life of repentance. As you said earlier, Berg, we deserve all of this and more. Right. I'm looking for the right um, a Bible passage that, you know, during these times that we should, uh, that we should look for um, or look at. Is it Luke 16? I think it's Luke 16. Uh, nope, not Luke 16. Another thing that, that Jesus would say. 21? Is it, uh, is it 21? Is it I don't know. Late? Anyway, keep keep talking. Yeah, so um, another thing is, is Jesus says when you see these things happen, he says, uh, know that the time is drawing near. So so when we have things like this happen, it should point our eyes to the Jesus coming to, to save us, his second coming. I think that's another place that we can look because Jesus talks about wars and rumors of wars and famines and and says lift up your heads 
Right. Um, because Jesus was actually asked this question about... Um, 13. I thought it was 13. Yeah. Luke 13. So here Jesus has asked a question about something like this, right? You know, about the Galileans who were killed uh, by Pilate and as their blood was mingled with the sacrifices. And Jesus says, you know, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Every sort of crisis, every sort of pandemic, every sort of tragedy uh, should lead us to one thing. It should lead us to repentance. Right. Um, And there's also a great article about, um, written actually by Seeler. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was the first president of Concordia Theological Seminary. And he has a whole thing about how how we should act um, when God sends illness like this. Um, he says that God sends illness on the unbelievers, really to to uh, send them the law, really to you know to break down their their obstinance. Mm-hmm. And he sends these things upon believers in order to discipline them uh, and to lead them to a greater understanding of who He is. Right. And so, you know, and we'll post that on our on the Facebook page so that way, you know, people can read it at home. Vicar. Since, since there's nothing else going on. <laughs> Vicar, do you have something you you wanted to read and to put this all into context? Yeah, I, I think after all the bad theology that we've shared uh, with our news that bothers Berg, it's time for um, something that uh, a prayer— from Johann Gerhard, a Lutheran pastor in the late 16th and early 17th century, um, about, uh, you know, he was, he was about 50, 50 years after Luther, um, and this is a prayer for the gift and increase of patience. Uh, it's translated uh, into English by our, uh, the LCMS synodical president, Matthew Harrison, found in Meditations on Divine Mercy, and it's from a uh, a Final edition was published in 1629 by uh, by Gerhard, dedicated to uh, Paul Heigl. So, this is a prayer for the gift and increase of patience. O omnipotent, eternal, and merciful God, with humble sighs I implore you, because of your grace, to grant me true and sincere patience. My flesh always desires what it wants, that is, what is easy and fleshly, but it refuses to suffer misfortune patiently. I ask you to restrain powerfully in me this inclination of the flesh and to prop up my weakness with the strength of patience. O Christ Jesus, teacher of patience and obedience, instruct me by the Holy Spirit so I may learn from you to deny my own will and to bear patiently the cross placed on me. You suffered more painfully for me than I suffer under anything that you place on me. I have merited harder punishment than the punishment that you inflict. You bore a thorny crown and the weight of the cross. You sweat blood and trod the winepress of wrath because of me. Why then should I refuse to take up patiently such a small measure of suffering and affliction? Why should I shirk from being conformed to your suffering in this life? You drank from the torrent of suffering in life. Why should I refuse a meager sip from the cup of the cross? I have merited eternal punishment because of my sins. Why should I not suffer fatherly reproof? In this world, 
those whom you knew from all eternity before the foundations of the world were laid, you also predestined to be conformed to the image of your Son in this life. So if I do not patiently bear this con uh, confirmation to the cross, I despise your holy and eternal plan for my salvation. Grant that this be far from me, your most unworthy servant. It is to prove, not to punish, that you exercise me with various trials. When you place the cross and tribulation on me, you also grant me an equal amount of understanding and comfort. The punishment never exceeds the reward. The sufferings of this life are not worthy of comparison to that heavenly consolation which you grant already in this life, and to that heavenly glory which you promise for the future. I know you are with me in tribulation. I should rejoice over the presence of your grace instead of being saddened over the burden of the cross placed on me. Lead me on whatever path you desire, O best master and teacher. I will follow you through thorns and briars, but draw me along and sustain me. I bow my head so you may place on it a crown of thorns. In doing this, I am absolutely convicted that one day you will place on my head an eternal crown of glory. Amen. Amen. And that's uh, written from uh, Johann Gerhardt, who probably knew a little bit about suffering. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, what was the name of the book again? So if they wanted to purchase yeah. it. So Meditations on Divine Mercy. It's the English translation uh, of Gerhardt's Meditations, and it's published by our uh, synodical publishing house, Concordia Publishing, uh, out of St. Louis. And I believe you can get that. I have. I think I have that one on Kindle, ver the Kindle version of it. Yeah. And I. so what I'm doing for my, my daily prayer services is I'm reading uh, a meditation from Gerhardt and then uh, using scripture passages that he cites in his meditations and uh, the people have really really been comforted and and learning along the way as i am too so it's been a good experience yeah yeah if, if you by the way if you want to join those you can just join them on the telephone you just send the clerical errors an email that's right i can have up to 250 people so so send uh send uh clerical errors an email and then he can add you to the list yep. he's been doing Nine o'clock in the mornings on Mondays and Wednesdays, and eight p.m. evening prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you just can dial in, type in the access code, and you're there. Yeah, it's pretty slick. It is. All right. So then we can just continue on with our new game show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's it called, Vicker? No, your doctrine. No, your doctrine. What do you think about that music, Kirk? It's pretty radical. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, in this, uh, you weren't here with us. I just have some questions from my confirmation test that I give. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm giving the opportunity for our listeners to kind of keep track of how they're doing and see how they might answer some of these questions. So. Rock on. Rock on. So... Bert hasn't listened to it yet, so he has no idea. But nope, none. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll start with a very basic one. Okay, listener. So do you have your listener get your pencil out? Right. Um, you can either, if this is a new time, you can keep your score, uh, start new, or listener, you can add on to your what you did last time and see see how well you're doing. So. Um. Uh. So in the in. Uh, the way we often teach the sacraments is we have three things 
that uh, makes something a sacrament. Three qualifications for a sacrament. So that is the first question. What are the three things that make something a sacrament? All right. There you go, listener. Know your doctrine! So, any of you want to take a stab at what these might be? I'll throw one out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Instituted by Christ? Yes, that is correct. Uh, two is uh, connected to a physical or earthly element. And number three, it is it promises the forgiveness of sins. Pretty basic, right? Good job. Yep. Um, let me see here. We'll start, go back to the beginning. Just a, I guess, just a question maybe for the, the pastors here. Um, I think I know the answer for Roman Catholics, but, but when you see people trying to make a sacrament out of something that's not a sacrament, what is, what is a common, is it their own works? Is it a good life? Like thinking, oh God, God loves me. God forgives me because... Things are going well in my life right now. Um, you know, in your experience, where are you seeing people trying to apply the forgiveness of sins where it's not promised? Um, a couple of things. One is, um, I think a lot of it is feeling or emotion-based, where certain things might connect with them more hmm. than a physical element. And so you have things like uh, traditions where they emphasize the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it kind of has sacramental significance I know I am saved because God came to me, and I really, really felt it. Yeah, sure. And so so that, in a sense, becomes, for them, a sacrament that really isn't as Christ commanded it. And I think that's the big thing. If you look at those three qualifications, instituted by God, that promises the forgiveness of sin. And why is that important? Well, well, if, if God says, you know, um, uh, if I were to say, Okay, I'm gonna do something for you. Um, for example, if someone needs needs food from the church, like like the someone says, my family's hungry. Okay, I will say, okay, meet me at the grocery store at this time, and uh, I will go with you to the grocery store and I will buy you groceries. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, I would say over half the time people don't take me up on that offer, hmm. and. Uh, and it's kind of like you want food, okay? This is how I we right. designed this program. Right, right. You come and uh, meet me at the grocery store, and this is how, in a sense, I've instituted that program to help you get food, right? Sure, yeah. Now, someone might say, well, you know what? It's more meaningful if we do it in the afternoon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or I actually like hot food. Could we go get some pizza? Right. <laughs> That's not necessarily how it, it works. Right, right. Because when, when Christ instituted the Lord's Supper, he does so according to his command. And so certain ways might have more feelings or mean more to more people, but that's not the point at all. This is instituted by God. This is how God decides. That's why we call it a means of grace. This is how God in his means has promised in his Bible, in his word, to give us the grace and mercy so that we may know. Anything to add to that, Berg? Well, and even the word sacrament, it's a category that we use, but um, it's it's one that we're kind of imposing on two very different things. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, um, I think uh, 
Pastor Fisk really had a great YouTube video on this, um, you know, why we don't commune babies, for example, um, because baptism and the Lord's Supper are different. And the thing is, is that uh, even within our own confessions, uh, the definition of a sacrament can actually be different. You know, you're using the one that um, Luther got from Augustine, right? Mm -hmm. The word falls upon the element and it becomes a sacrament. Um, So that way there can only be two, right? Because only two sacraments actually have a physical element. Right. Right? Well, uh, in the apology um, of the, or the the defense of the Augsburg Confession, uh, Article 13 of the number and the use of the sacraments, um, Melanchthon, who is a very close worker with Luther, actually has a little different definition and a little different numbering. He says, if we call sacraments rites which have the command of God and to which the promise of grace has been added, it is easy to decide what are properly sacraments. And then he goes down to four. Therefore, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and absolution, which is the sacrament of repentance, are truly sacraments. For these rites have God's command and the promise of grace, which is peculiar to the New Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so in a sense, the word sacrament is... So depending on what definition you use, um, sure. you can have two sacraments or you can have three sacraments. Right. Right. Um, but but the point the point is still the same. We do it according to right. Christ's command that that there is uh, that it has the command of God, and to which the promise of grace has been added, and that means of course the the remission of sins. Right. So um, that's why sometimes in Lutheran circles you'll have a debate about whether there's two sacraments or three sacraments, and it's like well. It really depends on what framework you're we're using, right. you know. And that, that's why I don't ever really get caught up with it because you're, you're dealing with uh, human defini- or human categories that you're placing. And, o- over things that God has instituted. Right. 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 You know, I don't think— And I, I think the guys who do, you know, say that there are three sacraments are, are actually doing a pretty good thing because, you know, absolution has kind of fallen out of favor. Sure. Uh, and— um, you know that's especially individual. I yeah, mean, that's the right. You know, when you you see that in in uh, the Luther Confession, it's not necessarily talking about. I mean, absolution certainly from the sermon, but right. the practice of private confession absolution right. was really at the heart of of what they're talking about. And I mean, honestly, that could be one of the. You want to talk about a special time? What could actually be a very special time? one-on-one time with your pastor to talk about what you believe and um, what you're feeling or what your questions are, what your doubts are, or those things that weigh on your heart. I mean, yeah. I And that also I, actually, God's command. I've actually you know? been, as a pastor behind the collar, been getting more of those discussions with people the last few weeks in. Mm-hmm. Is people, you know, opening up to you more than whether it's, you know, you might wind up on the phone with someone. You just, hey, how are you doing? And then before you realize that you've been on the phone for half an hour with them or 45 minutes. Right. Um, and uh, people, uh, you know, when we have our, our small communion services, it's really kind of fun. Sometimes I might just have a family of having the family come into church and preach a little sermon to the family with parents and their children sitting there. Yeah. I just hope that, um, you know, because we've been really good about teaching the Lord's Supper vertically, you know, 
our communion with right. Christ, our fellowship with Christ. I just I just don't ever want this to become uh, that we forget about the the horizontal aspect too. Right. And, you know, and I guess that's one worry that I've had. Right. I, I tried to, I've been know. in these services, been trying to emphasize that in this and saying, you know, you guys aren't taking this alone in the sense of you're taking it, you know, you can't meet, but you're taking it in a sense in solidarity with those who receive the same body and drink the same blood. Right. Um, I, we just, you know, that's one thing, guys. It's not just you and Jesus. And that's why when we're talking about sacraments, um, I think we have to be very concrete and very specific and uh, and actually look at what the Bible, what God's Word says about each one of these. Right, because you don't want the definition, of, like you said earlier, the de- definition of a sacrament to then take over what the Bible says about each particular gift that he's given us. Right. So, all right. So we have time for a couple other questions. All right, this is an easy one. In what chapter did the Apostle Paul give specific instructions concerning the Lord's Supper? Oh, this follows really well. Yeah. Know your doctrine! 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you got that right, congratulations, listener. Um, so, uh, all right. Uh, you ready for another one? This is a good systematic way of answering this question. Okay. Why do we baptize infants? I've got four reasons here. Now, pastors aren't limited to these four reasons. We'd spend a lot of time explaining them, but mm-hmm. when you're teaching them, it's good to have four reasons why. So, know your doctrine. Listeners, you got your answers written down? All right. One is they are included in the words all nations. Mm-hmm. When when Jesus said, uh, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, they are included in those words, all nations. Number two, uh, infants need what baptism offers. Uh, that goes off what we talked about last time, right, Vicar? The two right. types of sin? Right. Original and? Actual. Yeah, not extra crispy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, and uh, so, yes, babies are born in sin, and they need what baptism offers. Uh, the third one is Jesus specifically invites little children to come to him. He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And the fourth one is an understanding that uh, babies can and do have faith because it is a gift from God. It is not a work. So... Anything you'd like to add to those those answers? Nope. That's uh, pretty straightforward. It's good. All right. This is a, a simple one. Um, what are the three offices of Christ that explain the work of Jesus? All right. Got those written down, listener? Okay. They are prophet, priest, and King. And uh, each one describe. And if and if you send an email with explanations of how the Bible talks about how Christ is, you know, prophet, priest, and king, mm-hmm. they get extra credit, right? Yeah. What kind of extra credit might they get? Um, we will put you on a list so that you can get 
uh, when we get these made, we've been talking about these for a year, but we really got to do it. We got to get some Clerical Errors t-shirts out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now's so. the best time to do it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Also, I think... Um, we also I, we need, might might need uh, some help. You know we have we have this associate, associate uh, producer now, right? Yeah. We also need some help with uh, I think getting our message out. We need some uh, an advertising coordinator to help us out with that. An ambassador. An ambassador. A brand ambassador. An influencer. Nice. That's right. So listen, if you're a listener and you are skilled at doing that kind of thing, let us know. Help out the show. I mean, we got a, we've we've gotten a decent amount of listeners. We've got uh, we're closing in on eleven thousand downloads. Can you believe that, Berg? Quite a few. So, uh, um, and so uh, and so with all those, we could I think we could use a little help because you know we're not good at doing that kind of thing. So we got a lot of content. We're not very good at marketing. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Um, Peter, you got a quick verse for us? Yeah, let's do a let's do a uh, impaired concentration Bible study. Hey, me, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the impaired concentration Bible study. One verse, one verse only. Oh, <laughs> uh, I haven't heard that wheel in a long time. That's the truth. All right, so we got Isaiah chapter 3, verse 25. Oh, well, that's super uh, optimistic for today. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 25. Your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty men in the war. <laughs> the end. That was 25? Right? I mean, I'm getting this right, right? Our Lutheran study Bible doesn't even have a footnote on this verse. So we are going into uncharted waters. Well, let's see here. Okay. Yep. Okay. 25. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, I mean, this goes back to God's judgment on the on the children of Israel. This kind of brings me back to our Obadiah study a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But, you know. So, I mean, that... Uh, and here... You know, we've been dealing with uh, the issue of disease, right? Which God, uh, which God threatens in Deuteronomy, right? That if the children of Israel uh, do not believe and obey His word, um, He will send a bunch of things upon them. One of them being like blindness and madness and and that sort of thing, uh, defeat and war. And and here we see Isaiah, who is writing, oh, in the seventh century BC, um, that. Uh, he is, um, you know, that, I mean, let's see. Did the, uh, the North, the Northern Kingdom hadn't fallen yet. Had it by this time? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I think it's close. But, uh, anyway, during Isaiah's pro- uh, prophetic tenure, you know, I mean, Israel had, or, uh, the Southern Kingdom of Judah had been besieged by, uh, Sennacherib, mm-hmm. who was, uh, an Assyrian general. And um, so it, it wasn't a good thing, you know. Um, and uh, so that's the thing. God actually sends, he gives defeat, right? This is something for us to remember too. I mean, even though we have one of the most powerful militaries in the world, um, without God's help, 
none of that will none of that means anything. Right. And, and bringing us back to the COVID-19, like a, a single cell, it's not even an organism. It's just a piece of DNA floating around with spikes on it. Yeah. Can shut down our economy. <laughs> yeah. And, and we see, yeah, we see God use uh, foreign nations, uh, both to send, yeah, send his people into exile and also to deliver his people um, from their, from, from the exile using the sword. That's what right. I'm trying to say is uh, God does use the governments, both in our eyes, the, the, the good ones and the evil ones for his, his will, his mm-hmm. purpose. So, well, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. Um, Thank you. I would like, uh, Hannah, um, we haven't received a whole lot of uh, feedback from your request on what to do with the memes. So I think maybe you should go ahead with my sinister idea of you explaining the same meme in our current context. You're so mean. (laughs) And so, uh, Hannah, um, as our associate producer, if you may please do that. We are all waiting for that, aren't you, Berg? Sure, yeah. So uh, bated breath. And uh, so please, if you would, Hannah, that would be great. And uh, and uh, um, we need to start working on, I want to get some best of moments. We've talked about that show and we haven't done it yet. I'll yeah, it. we're over our one year thing, aren't we? Right. I think this is episode 56. So Yeah, yeah we're so. we're like 13 months in. Holy buckets. Wow. Do you think we'd ever survive this long? Oh, yeah. I did. So... So, uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, this week, as of airing, we'll find about number uh, 17.0. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. So. Uh, he doesn't know what's coming toward him. No. But he'll find out. So I have a question. When you first found out, found out about this, uh, how long did it take before you realized that the vicar was on a podcast? Not too long. Because I, I think I contacted Vicar 15.0, and he directed me to the the podcast, uh, and so I binge listened. What was your reaction? Did it make you more nervous? I didn't... It, yeah. I mean, it was a mixed reaction. It did make me more nervous. <laughs> ah. he, he, he logs in. All right. What are they making this Vicar do? Yep. And he's just making a bunch of animal did noises. You yeah. and... I would listen to it while I was mowing the lawn in Indiana and taking my dog for a walk. And I remember uh, Vicar 15.0 talking about his his twelve his top 12 what every Vicar needs. Okay. And so remember, I remember the satchel being pretty high on that list. <laughs> So I got that. So we're good. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, um, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And uh, may your, here we go. May your COVID be blowed. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.